So here's something that you haven't seen in a little while. Uh, welcome to Empower, okay? And we haven't been doing it most of the summer, uh, not actually truthfully because we weren't in Empowered because we were the whole summer, but we thought we'd give you a break from talking about it every week. So, uh, but, but basically, uh, what I want you to see is, is we're, we're coming back to the beginning of the year and we're headed back into it. I still need more light in the, in the sanctuary part if that's possible. Uh, I'm just still in a bit of a fog, or maybe turn these lights down a little bit, either way. Uh, but the point is, we've been doing Empowered now for how long? Is it two and a half years? Am I about right? We've been doing Empowered for almost as long as it took Jesus to disciple the disciples. And, and let me say, that was a point, because we wanted to go through an experience of Jesus discipling us exactly as he did the disciples. And one of the major parts of that, if not the critical major part of that is, the Holy Spirit coming upon, I'm just going to say it one more time. I'm not, it's not, I, nothing's changed. Okay? So, uh, but let me just, sorry, are we all back? We good? Let me just say, this, the reason, as I prayed about what I was supposed to do this week and what we're doing right now and everything else, here's what happened. I just went, we've been doing this long enough that there's a whole lot of people have come in that don't necessarily know, that's awesome, that don't necessarily know what empowered means. They, they understand that it has something to do with the Holy Spirit moving through you to minister, because that's what the illustration is, and that's what we talk about. But what they don't know is, is that it's completely and utterly connected with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I recognize that there's a whole lot of people that have come in that don't know what baptism of the Holy Spirit even means. It's just not a, a part of, you know, what you understand Christianity to be. You've come from evangelical churches or something like that that believe that God heals and so you've prayed for the sick and so you're just assuming that's what this is. When in fact there's something much more than just that and that's what we're going to talk about today and I just felt like it would be a really good day for at the beginning of the year for us to reestablish this cornerstone, to really look at it again and, and if you've been here and you've heard this talk in various fashions as we will do periodically, I believe that there's a lot in here for you. If you have not heard this, really, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to do you a huge favor, okay? I'm going to try and keep it simple, stupid. This is a huge topic, okay? It's enormous. There's so much theology. We could spend two and a half years on it, okay? And which, as we are doing, about what it really means and how to really move into it and so on. But I want to establish, like I say, the theological roots of it because, well, I want to keep it simple, and so here's the keep it simple part. I'm just going to ask three questions and answer them. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What difference does it make in my life? And am I baptized in the Holy Spirit? And if not, can I be? Is that, right? We're just going to do that real simple. We're going to keep it, well, that's what we're going to do. But don't let the simplicity of my presentation take away from the importance of what we're talking about. Because I want to tell you that this is, in my opinion, this is one of the top three things that God ever did for mankind. You could argue that number one is creating us. Because if he hadn't created us, none of this would even be in play. So you can argue that that's number one. You could argue that number two was, is that God created us, but then he gave us that stupid thing called free will, and we use it to choose not him. And so we got separated from him. And so in Christ, God has made a way back to him. And so thank God for salvation, and that would be arguably number and then you get to the third one, which frankly, let's be clear, Francis Chan wrote an entire book about it from the evangelical perspective saying the forgotten part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, what he does, how he does it, why he does it, all that kind of stuff. 
And he was talking as an evangelical, saying, we have made us huge, and we've made God huge, and the Holy Spirit gets mentioned. And what I want to say is, as you will hear, this baptism of the Holy Spirit thing is so incredible. When God starts doing things through you and you see his up close, when you see how he really is, because of what he's doing through you, obviously not you, but through you, when you see God move, I really want to tell you, it is so incredible that you fall in love with God in a way I really don't, I know you cannot have if you don't have that in your life. And when you fall in love with God, that's what he was trying to do with us in the first place, was to make us to be one with him. And all of a sudden, I start thinking about it, and I start saying, I'm not comfortable putting baptism of the Holy Spirit as number three. I'm comfortable with saying it's one of the top three, and understanding that there's certain aspects in each one of those three that makes them really huge. But I'm not willing to say that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is third on that list. I think it's co-equal with the other three. I think it's right in the center of the heart of God that what he wanted to do was to have, he wanted to flow through us in the same way that he does so that we would come to know him and fall in love with him in a way that is surpassing and become one with him because of it. So that's what this is. And so that's what we're doing. And who do we have? Courtney McKinney, this is awesome. That's just perfect. Okay, Courtney does so many things in ministry. This is, when we talk about community care and icebergs, the kind of things that happen on the surface and then under the surface, Courtney does our prayer ministry. Courtney does the, uh, the takes stars that come off of the side. She does a whole lot of things with the recovery community. And frankly, she's just a woman of God that is always doing things and you only see a, a little fraction of it. So you want to get to know her. Would you pray for the sermon? Would you lift up another church too? Father God, we come before you in a warrior stance today. You are doing a shaking and a stirring, Lord God, but we are honored to be on your battlefield, although some of the shaking is painful. So hear your children cry out as we soar you today. And I ask that you have less of Kurt and more of you. Amen. So that he can teach us and help raise up your warriors. And that we can learn and that we can know more about how the Holy Spirit plays a part in this. Amen. And I cry out for the churches across the world that you rise in us and through us to touch the world. That no weapon formed against us shall remain. And that we stand strong on your word and your promises. And so just make the world, your church, the bride of Christ, Amen. mighty and powerful and a light into the darkness. We need you now, Lord. Hear your children's cry. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Courtney. Kurt, decrease and God increase. And the song that we sang, that last song, Pam, about I surrender, I give all. I just want you to know how much the Holy Spirit's in control of this church because we don't plan that stuff. And yet you heard what the worship set was and it was, it was my sermon. Your prayer was, is my sermon. God moves, okay? Now, in order to get us, we're starting with this one right here. What's the baptism of the Holy Spirit? 
And in order to understand what it is, we're going to look at the firstborn of the new creation, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God, we got it, but he emptied himself of what it was to be God, very important concept, emptied himself, that he might come down and that he might minister as a human being, okay? Fully, honestly, fully, fully a person, a human being. And that he might minister that way and show us what it looks like. And the reason why was because Adam, the first one, didn't do so good. So God is giving Adam, the second one, Christ, to show us what it's supposed to look like. Now, so we're going to say, what's it supposed to look like? And the, the first thing that we're going to start, real simple, is when did Jesus get the, when was Jesus, quote unquote, born again? That's what we talk about as Christians, because we were born of our parents and then we're born again into Christ. But Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit, which is what being born again means. The Holy Spirit coming and making you new. Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit when? I mean, it's like, who was, born in, who was buried in Grant's tomb? That's how this question is, okay? So, Jesus, when did Jesus get the Holy Spirit? When did he have it inside of him? Conception, right? Right here, okay? The angel answered her. This is Mary, and Mary's saying, how can this be? How can I give? Blah, blah, blah. The angel answered the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Think about that. Think about um, God forming clay and breathing into it the breath of life. This overshadowing is something of that same thing, bringing into her a new life, a new kind of life. So it will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be called Holy, the Son of God. So Jesus Christ has the Holy Spirit from the first day, from conception and the first day he's born, at 12 years old, he's in the temple and they're blown away by who he is. You don't have like that. I love you. Oh, your clock? Okay. She's got a clock on her lap and all of a sudden I saw she has a clock and I was like, you don't have to do that, but thank you. All right. So, so the whole, sorry, I don't mean to be ADD, but you know, just a little, okay? All right. So, so the, Jesus has the Holy Spirit since birth and we see evidence of it, right? All right. Now, if that's true, then why in the world when Jesus is baptized does this happen? Because when he gets baptized, the heavens are open, the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. If he already has the Holy Spirit, why does he need the Holy Spirit to come down on him? Why? Let's answer the why. Real simply, as we're going to see in two seconds, this coming upon of the Holy Spirit is to empower you to do God's will meaning God doing his will through you. If the Holy Spirit that is inside of you that made you new and lives in you so intimately, if the Holy Spirit were ministering from that place, it would be so close to us and so intimate with us that we would, over time, begin to think that it was us, not him. You see it? If he didn't make a distinction between empowerment that is God through you and you, if there wasn't a distinction, then what would happen is you would get puffed up. And we have the example of this. Because God loved an angel Lucifer. And he loved him so much that he did with him what he does with us. He anointed him, which means he gave himself to him. Right? By the way, every time I say gave a part of himself, think of it as flame, not substance. It's not like he took some part and now he was missing that part. He gave it away and he's lesser. It's like flame. He gave some of the flame. The flame doesn't go out in you. It just starts in another person. 
So God gives a part of himself to Lucifer, and what Lucifer does is he says, hey, I'm not like you other angels anymore. I'm like God. Worship me. Now, here's the irony of that statement. He was more like God. When God gives you part of himself, you're more like God, right? The problem is, is when he says, worship me, he's not God. The one that you should worship is the one that can create you, is the one that can save you, is the one that can empower you, heal you, and heal through you. That's the one you should worship. Satan is a created being, but he got puffed up in this thing that God had done for him. So God has shown us right there that God wants to give himself to us. He wants to take a bonfire and light you up. But the problem is it ends up burning us up because <laughs> of our pride, because of who we are. So he's got this problem where he's trying to give everything and more and more and more of himself to us in a way that doesn't end up hurting us. So that's what's happening here. And Jesus is establishing a pattern. There is a Holy Spirit indwelling, making you new when you're born again or birthed. And then there is an empowering, and that needs to be distinct in your head. And we'll see why ever more so as we talk about this. That is absolutely key for today. I must decrease so that he can increase. So what happens is Jesus, who is God and could have done everything all by himself, said, I'm coming as a man, I've emptied myself of the God thing, and I'm letting the Holy Spirit empower me the same way he can empower you. So what happens is, is if you sense, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River, his baptism, he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Okay, now look what's happening here, watch this. Adam and Eve were tempted in the garden, how'd it go? Not so cool, right? Didn't work out so good. So now Jesus is becoming this first of the new creation. So he gets tempted, and how does he do? See it? Okay? So now he passes. And then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. He came to Nazareth to the synagogue and read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to open the eyes of the blind, and so forth. But you see what he's saying? Look, the first words he says about how he's ministering is he doesn't say, I'm God and I'm here to help you. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and the Spirit is going to do through me what God wants to do to help you. To rise, to heal you. You see it? So I hope that the pattern's pretty clear. There's a Holy Spirit that indwells, even though sometimes we'll talk about being filled with the Spirit, that's still a baptism of the Holy Spirit terminology. But there's a Spirit that indwells and makes us new, and then there's one that empowers. And this is exactly what we see with the disciples, because when do they get, quote-unquote, saved? When do they get born again and made new? When does that happen? A lot of people will say Pentecost. I'm going to argue something different than that, but go ahead. When's the other time? When Jesus breathed on them. Watch what happens. Jesus has walked with them and showed them what life is supposed to look like. Then he takes on the other part of his ministry, which is to die for us, to be the perfect lamb that didn't sin. We take all of our sin, we put it upon, right? And then he dies, so he kills our sin. The sin that was in us, he takes it to the penalty for it. 
But then he rises again. The disciples, they're all in a room locked up. They're afraid. They're going to die too now, they think. And suddenly Jesus shows up in the middle of a locked room. And then what he does, he says, calm down, don't be afraid. And then he says this. Then he took a deep breath and breathed into them, received the Holy Spirit. Now what's happening right here? The same God that formed Adam and breathed into him life, the same God that overshadowed Mary and breathed into her new life, is the same God who is now coming to the disciples, having paid for their sin, and he's now breathing into them and saying, receive new life, receive the Holy Spirit, who will make you new, give you God's nature, not Adam's. See it? So there we go. So he's making them new right here, isn't he? Okay? All right? Now, do you understand, see, in time we've gone from Adamic nature to God nature. Before, Adamic nature simply means this. God made Adam and Eve and he gave them free will. They exercised their free will in a way that chose against God and revealed their nature. And when they, and that nature came to be, and then the way that it talks, when, as it gets passed down, the seed is what passes down the Adamic nature. This rebelliousness, this not going, doing things God's way, this, uh, this choosing to go our own way. So what happens is, when God makes us new, what he's doing is, is he's literally creating new nature in us. The Holy Spirit came with Adamic nature, coming through the seed, it, because that's sin, and the Holy Spirit is holy. It would kill it. But now that Jesus has paid for our sin, the Holy Spirit can come in and make a new nature that is God's nature. The Bible talks about it a lot, lots of theology here, but I hope it's just simple that he makes us new. With that said, we now have the Holy Spirit inside. The disciples have the Holy Spirit. For 40 days, they have the Holy Spirit. They are new beings. They're learning from Jesus. And then what happens? Jesus says, so just like the Holy Spirit overshadowing Mary and God breathing on Adam, so we're getting the same pattern. He commanded them, this is four, 10 days before he ascends, and 10 days before Pentecost. He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Is that familiar? That's what happened with Jesus at the Jordan, right? And you will be my witnesses then in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. See, you get empowered to do what? To go off and have fun with yourself, and I'm empowered, and now I get to just... I was going to say something that I realized the double entendre people might get, but are you going to use the Holy Spirit on yourself for your own things? No, you're using it to minister to somebody. Now watch. See? That's just like Jesus at the Jordan. The Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples to empower them for ministry. And so what's the next thing we see 10 days later? He tells them, wait until power's come, and now here comes power. The day of Pentecost, 50 days after, right? Pentecost just means 50. They were all gathered together in one place. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Does that sound powerful? He's trying to show us what this is. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting and did tongues as of fire. Remember when I talked about it, it's like fire? appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now let's make it clear. What, what's that tongues thing? We're going to come back to it a little bit later. But they were speaking in ecstatic utterance, which was not a language. What was happening was the people that were there 
were all hearing them in their language. And so they were going, what the heck is this? Well, what is going on? They're totally confused, and they say, hey, you guys are drunk. And Peter steps up, and he says, we're not drunk. In fact, here's what happens. Peter preaches, and guess what happens? Those who received his word were baptized. They were out of that day. 3,000 people. 3,000 people got saved at the first sermon. Do you think that was Peter? Do you think Peter could have saved even one? So here's the point. Just like Jesus, God's anointing, empowering, baptizing of the Holy Spirit produces results that only God can produce. You see it? You can go out and minister as a saved individual from the Holy Spirit inside, and you will have some fruit. You will bear fruit. But you want to bear a real fruit? Empty yourself that he fills, anoints, empowers, and then watch the results. That's the difference getting saved and 3,000 people getting saved. Are we, are we clear now? Do we see the same pattern? There's salvation, which is the Holy Spirit making you new, and there's empowerment. Now, let me show you something. The empowerment thing is not new. Salvation is because Jesus hadn't died yet, and they were looking forward to Jesus and their sacrifices. They would say, we've sinned, something needs to die. They'd kill an animal, and it would look forward one more year until the perfect lamb, Jesus, comes. And then every sin after that looks back at Jesus. But Jesus is the key to all of history, the crossroads in all of history, right? Now, here's the point, though. This empowering thing has been going on forever. Look, all the way back in the very beginning, here's Moses. The Lord said to Moses, how was Moses ministering effectively the way that he was doing? Was it Moses that was parting Red Seas? Was it Moses that was doing the plagues? Was Moses doing that stuff? No. And at some point in time, Moses kind of gets burned out, and Bezalel, his father-in-law, comes to him and is doing all this stuff. Why don't you spread it out? So God says, that's right. Moses says, what do I do, God? God says, that's right. Now watch what he says. The Lord said to Moses, gather before me 70 men who are recognized as elders and leaders of Israel. Can I, can I show you something? They're already recognized as elders and leaders. So there's something going on good in there, right? It's not that he just picked it were bums. Okay? Pick 70 people that had something going on. Bring them to the temple, stand there with you. I will take, listen, some of the spirit that's on you, fire, and I will put the spirit upon them also. Then they'll be able to bear the burden along with you so that you don't have to carry it alone. Do you see? Empowered. Now, there, Moses wasn't saved. He wasn't made new. He was still a sinner, right? Looking forward to the sacrifice of Jesus and the sacrifices that he was making. Now, look, Bezalel, this is the artisan who makes the tabernacle perfectly according to the pattern in it. Look, I have specifically chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Ur, the tribe of Judah. I filled him with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts so that he can make the tabernacle exactly the way I want it so that someone can see the tabernacle and experience God. That takes anointing. To build a nice little tent doesn't take anointing. To build one that reveals God takes anointing. See it? So he was empowered. They were all empowered. All the leaders, all the prophets, it specifically said, God takes the time to say, was it them that was doing it? No, it's my Holy Spirit on them that's doing it. Here's another one. Judges, then the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. 
All the judges had this. I'll just do one more with you because it's, it's great. Saul is anointed with the Holy Spirit. Bap, not baptized, but anointed, empowered with the Holy Spirit. And then what happens is, is that he goes off and does some stupid things, and God says, okay, he's not going to be king anymore, and I'm going to take of the Spirit there, and I'm going to put it on you, David. Now, what happens is he's doing that with Samuel. So Samuel goes through all of Jesse's sons. It's none of them. He says, do you have another son? God's told me it's somewhere in here, but he's told me it's all these guys are, are not it. And so he says, yeah, there's one little kid. He's running around out in the fields, you know, watching sheep. He says, well, bring him in. He brings him in, goes before Samuel. The Lord says, this is the one, anoint him. See how anointing, baptizing, you know, spirit upon, empowering, these are all similar terms. So Samuel took the flask of olive oil he brought, that's, and he pours it over him, anoints him. And that's like the Holy Spirit coming upon us and clothing us. See? So, and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Now, what's the difference? This can become very important in a moment. What's the difference between what happened to people that were pre-Jesus, but empowered, and people that were post-Jesus, salvation, and empowered? What's the difference? The first thing is, it's called baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not called baptism of the Holy Spirit before. It's called empowerment. The Holy Spirit comes upon and empowers. But what happens after salvation is now there's the Holy Spirit inside and the Holy Spirit upon and the two connect and it changes you yet again. Now let me, let me just tell you what I'm talking about. Baptism is a word that is similar to the word that we have in our English of pickled. You take a cucumber, you immerse it into a brine solution, you let it cure, and for all purposes that cucumber becomes something new. It is still a cucumber in a way, but we don't talk about pickles as cucumbers because they've now been pickled. They've been transformed. They become something new. And so when we're talking about a person that's born again, that has the Holy Spirit, we're talking about baptism of the Holy Spirit. You see it? Which leaves a question for us that I'm going to answer later. Can you be a Christian and be in power but not baptized in the Holy Spirit? Yeah, and we're going to get there. But now, right now, I need to do something, okay? I just, real quickly, we've got guys with mics, okay? I, if there's no questions, that's fine. It means I've done well, and I like doing well. But I just want to take a minute, and I just don't want to move on until I've asked a couple questions, if there are any. Does anybody have any questions about this? We're going to talk about more. We're not done. But does anybody have any questions about this? Not comments about it, by the way. I'm not looking for anybody to reinforce what I said. I'm really looking for just questions. Is there anybody? Even one? Go ahead, Zach. Can you be baptized in the Holy Spirit and then um, and empowered and lose that? Not lose your salvation or lose the Spirit of God, but lose the, 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 the Spirit's empowerment. Now, this is jumping ahead, but let me answer a question because it's an important one. I don't think that you lose it. I just think you don't use it. And if you don't use it, it's like any muscle. 
It just atrophies, okay? It just isn't there. Not doesn't mean it can't be there. It just means that it's weak and impoverished because you have not been using it. This is an incredibly important part, point that you're making right there. When you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you gotta walk in it. The more you walk in it, the more it'll become what it is. The more it'll grow and increase. I'm about to talk about that in one second. Is there any other questions, though, about this idea of salvation and baptism of the Holy Spirit? Because let me tell you something right now. I'm from an evangelical church. You do have a question if you paid any attention to the preacher before. Because they would have told you that being saved is the same as being empowered. And that you have the Holy Spirit. And you don't need the Holy Spirit upon you. You already got him. So there would be issues sitting right here right now. Now, you know, you don't want to embarrass yourself. I get it. But are there any questions about this so that we can just make sure we move forward together? I'm, I'm, I want to make sure that we're one on this. We're trying to lay a foundation here. Any questions? Oh, there you go. Here, and then we'll go back to you. Let's go ahead. So if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, does that mean you necessarily have to speak in tongues or have the ability to speak in tongues? I'm going to answer your question again. We're going to talk about it in a second, but let me answer your question because, again, it's an important, beautiful question. Here's, here's the answer to it. If you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you can speak in tongues. Some people don't because they don't know that they have that. But there's nobody that's been baptized in the Holy Spirit that cannot, just on their own, start speaking in the Holy Spirit, start speaking in tongues, start praying in the Spirit, as it's also called in Scripture. So anybody who's been baptized in the Holy Spirit has this, every single person. You'll find people that are baptized in the Holy Spirit and then they haven't gotten the gift of tongues yet. That is a misnomer. That's a mistheology. That's not true. Okay? It's just simply you haven't. You're expecting something else. You're, you're thinking it's something else. There's something else that's going on. But you, anybody who's been baptized in the Holy Spirit genuinely has there. Okay? We were going back to Chris, and then we'll come over. Okay, so Chris, go back. Just one sec, DJ. We're going to hit Chris first. Well, it's really the same question said another way. Is there a sign of the Holy Spirit, which is uh, often is yeah. being the, uh, the... I love this church. You guys are awesome. Can I just tell you, Chris, that one I am going to hold on to because this is the, third the answer to the third question. How do I know if I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit? Okay, so we're going to answer that question, and I think you'll be surprised at the answer. I'm just telling you right now. This is where if, if you have been, you're going to want it. So let's go here, let's go here, and then we'll go here. Then we'll probably be done unless there's an important question. So go ahead. Well, this is kind of a two-parter. So when you're saved, do you get baptized in the Holy Spirit? Or is it a separate thing that might happen at the same time, but it's a separate? The answer is, in Jesus, it was at a different time. In the disciples, it was at a different time. With the Gentiles... They got saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit at the same time. So it can happen simultaneously, but that doesn't mean it's not still two distinct things that are really one part of a whole. God does not intend people to be saved and not in the Holy Spirit. It's a little bit, in my mind, like divorce. Because of the hardness of your heart, God allows it. Because we don't understand theologically, because we still have some issues with control and so on, we will separate salvation and empowerment or baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so you can be separated. And, and God, again, makes it clear that distinct things, but they're two sides of one coin. They're two aspects of one fullness. Okay? And that doesn't mean a person that's not baptized in the Holy Spirit is not saved. 
If you've been born again, the Holy Spirit has breathed in you and made you new. It doesn't matter if you never get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're going to heaven. Because you've been made new. Okay? But yes, it can happen at the same time. It does happen sometimes. In fact, there would be one person in here's testimony I know where they started talking in tongues before they got saved. And that's what saved them. So something happened and they started speaking, praying in the Spirit, and that saved them. Okay? Now, are we good? Just one more. Just um, yes. So when you when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, do you gain? I know that I I don't. It's been such a long time since I've studied it, but you got each person received a gift from no. the Holy Spirit. Love you? No. You received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gift. The Holy Spirit. Okay. First Corinthians nine, which is where people get that from. What you're talking about. There's other scriptures too, but that's the prime one. Where it says, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles. Um, I think it's, is it discerning of spirits and then prophecy or the other way around? But discerning of spirits, prophecy, tongues, interpretation. The nine gifts. And people will say, I got a gift. That's bad theology. The, the, actually, the, baptism, the, the, the spirit distributes as he wills. The fact is a person who's not baptized in the Holy Spirit can give a word of wisdom. Can pray for somebody and the person be healed through them. The spirit distributes as he wills. Those things are not a condition of, they're part of the empowerment that we talked about was all the way through the Bible. So God can empower at any time. Here's the point. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's an entirely different thing, and we're going to get to it in one second about how that is. Do you have access to all of them, but you're not? Yeah. Not yes, but let me say, them, but, but let me say, every Christian and frankly, every non-Christian has access to that. The Holy Spirit can come upon an, excuse me, but an ass and tell a Tell a king, what's up? That's what happens in the Bible. And that happened sometimes in the world. <laughs> okay. All right, let's go, Chris. Let's go, Chris. Oh, no, did we already do Chris? Where was I? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, there you go. Sorry. Um, we already my, the question is the timeline. When yes. Christ um, breathed on them, yes. was that, that was before Pentecost. Yes, 10 days before. So he breathes on, actually, that's 50 days cost. 50 days before Pentecost, he breathes on him in the upper room, right after he got, right after he died and rose again, right then. 50 days later, they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. 40 days later, they're told to wait until that happens. They're told, don't go minister. That's a weird thing for God to say. You're not supposed to say that, God. <laughs> go minister. He says, don't until you've been empowered, until you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay, are we good with the questions? Let's go one more, Tammy. Oh, no, we'll, we'll go one and then one. Go ahead. Carla. Um, so this is not meant to sound defensive, but I wonder, like, why does it matter? I know you're talking, like, seven I'm answer years. that. Okay. I'm, in fact, that's right where we're going right now. That's why I'm, I'm – go ahead, Tammy. Um, mine was just um, how do you fit the idea of sanctification in, in here? Where does that kind of fit in? Yeah. Sanctification can happen to somebody who's not baptized in the Holy Spirit because they have the Holy Spirit inside of them. Who's boot? People that are saved grow in God. Right? They're saved. The Holy Spirit's in them. He's growing them. That's making them more and more holy, more and more sanctified. If I can, though, to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, puts that whole sanctification process on steroids. Okay? Massive steroids. Okay? It does it in a much more powerful way. Uh, I... Is it a question, Rich, or a comment? Why weren't, why weren't the disciples saved when Jesus called on them to ask 
Huh? Oh, oh, oh. Oh, no, no, no. I see what you're saying. You're saying before he died. The reason why they couldn't be saved before they died is because he hadn't died. Yes. That's right. Yes. But they were empowered, but they weren't saved. They weren't saved. David was saved in the sense that, his, that the animal sacrifice looked forward to Christ on the cross, which is salvation, which is where that sin is truly paid for. An animal can't pay for my sin. God just left him for another year, another year, another year, another year. The disciples, pre-Jesus dying again, were not saved. And by the way, they were sent out and empowered, weren't they? Remember? They went out in the empowerment. They weren't saved. They were just empowered, just like all those other guys. At this point in time, let me move on. Okay? And thanks for the questions. This is what we're doing here. Okay? We need to get this right. What difference does it make in my life? I'm answering that question now. What difference does it make, Carla? Let me just tell you my testimony. Real simple. 19 years old, I didn't ever even really think of God. I didn't care about him. I didn't have any relationship, any thought about him. I, I, if I thought about him, which was very little, the one thing that I thought about it was is weak minds, stupid people, need a crutch. Good for them or fine, but whatever. They were just stupid. That's really what I thought. Okay? I just, it, it, was, it meant nothing. And then... I hold the hands of Jesus, and I say, say, I hold the hand of Julie, who is Jesus, but anyway. <laughs> I hold the hands of Julie. I say this, this stupid little prayer about God if you're there, and God's there. Wow. I, this is a total shock to me. Out of the blue, I had no idea. The only reason I was praying was to do something formal when I'm a 19-year-old kid trying to do something, right? And I was like, well, you know, whatever. I didn't care about it at all. But all of a sudden, God reveals that he's real. Now, I want to say... I am the absolute embodiment of that incredible line in Amazing Grace that says, I was blind and now I see. The minute revealed that he was real and I received it, I suddenly saw, this is a hand, but I can't see it because it's, it's so thin that it, I can't see it. The minute that I got saved, this reality went like this. And I could see it. It was like this whole other reality that was always there. And I had the whole world figured out without it. But as soon as it showed up, I went, God, everything I thought before was really stupid. And I was really wrong. And wow. <laughs> right? And I've been on a 40-year journey to figure out what that is ever more deeply. So this was, this was salvation for me. I just wish, the one problem with not ministering in a town in which I grew up is that you don't have the benefit of hearing what a schmuck I was <laughs> from the mouths of people that like me. You know what I mean? My friends. When, when, when I got saved, my friends were like, you've got to be kidding me. You? You? <laughs> you know, you were least likely to succeed in this area, in the, in the class book. You know what I mean? You? You What? Right? So salvation was, needless to say, a bill. Seven years later, my brother Dave calls me the week of Easter and says, there's something more. Read these scriptures. That's all he said. Told, gave me the scriptures. I read the scriptures and I went, oh crap, there's something more. <laughs> On Easter Sunday, I went to church at my white, wealthy, nice cars, nice suits, Listen, Assembly of God Church. 
That, in the 50s, was having such huge revival that they would close the town down and pray, the whole town. The whole t it was in the newspaper, shuts down. And it happened for, for I don't know how long, but for over a year. And now, this guy, same guy, never ever talked about baptism of the Holy Spirit, never ever talked about the Holy Spirit, except in passing like an evangelical would. Nothing. So I read this. It's Easter. Well, this is what a great husband I am. I tell my wife, this is really bugging me. I saw this, I saw this big sign for Happy Church that was literally on the wrong side of the tracks. I mean, honest to God, here's the tracks, and, and here's the nice side of town, and here's the bad side of town, and literally the church is on the wrong side of the tracks, right against them. And I said to her, I said, I'm so sorry, but I'm not going to take you out to brunch. If you don't mind, if you'll let me. I just really feel like I need to go figure out if this is real and what this is. So would you let me? You can come if you want, but she didn't want to, and that's fine. And I said, but I'm going to drop you off if you don't mind. We'll go out to brunch in a bit, but let me just go to church. I just want to see. So I go to church at Happy Church. I literally sit in the very last row in the balcony. Couldn't possibly have been more disengaged except to be outside in the lobby. I sit down. A guy comes walking in. You've heard it before. He sits down next to me. This plume of alcohol and pot and body odor and urine just wafts off of him. And I'm still in my Armani suit. And I'm sitting there, and this plume hits me, and I went, oh, this is what church is supposed to look like. That doesn't mean they were all that way. Rich people and poor people, they were every ethnicity you could imagine. This was the most beautiful family of everything. All political persuasions, all, you know, it, it was just, it was just people that were going after God. At the end of the service, they had a call for salvation, for regeneration, if you've fallen away, for backsliders to get right with God again. And then they had a call for baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I said, well, that must be me. So I walk from the balcony all the way down, just catch the tail end of it. They take us off into a room. Somebody prays over me, and God does this thing. Uh, to this day, I can still tell you what it felt like, but it was like electricity running up my arms. And I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, I went home and freaked Julie out entirely. But then I took her to church the next week, and honest to gosh, we sat in a different place in the sanctuary, and it was a different guy. Sat down with this plume of pot and alcohol and body odor and urine comes off. And I said, isn't that great? Isn't that great? She's going, this is not great. <laughs> no, Julie gets it, and she got it from right then. She went, yeah, it is great. This is better. This is God. And then they had a call at the end of the service, and she went down, and she went into the room, and they prayed for it. She came back out, and she's like, now what did we get? Let me, let me make it clear, because this has been a 33-year journey now. A 33-year journey of something that happens to me almost every single day to a deeper degree. I, God does something that he means to do through me. A lot of times it has to do with sermons. But it has to do with people that are minister, I'm ministering to. It has to do with people I'm praying for. All the time, God will come down, and he will through me, start to do something. And when he starts to do it, I am a spectator. I am not doing it clearly. He is, and I'm watching, listen, 
Not just what he does. I'm watching who he is. I'm watching him do things that do not fit my theology. <laughs> I wouldn't have done that, God. And he's blowing up my paradigms to this day, 33 years later, in a way that has caused me to fall in love with him. Degree that I, I really uh, cannot describe to you adequately, except to say this. As much as he changed my life when I went from being a non to being a Christian, it was equally as great as that. It was such a radical transformation of my... I thought, by the way, let's make this clear, because I, I, I I'm not patting myself on the back, I just want to make it clear. Before I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'd led maybe 100 people to the Lord. That's pretty profitable. I mean, that's pretty good, don't you think? I mean, most of my friends who were freakish, I got saved, got led to the Lord. Uh, Julie's parents, all kinds of people. So it wasn't that I wasn't fruitful, and it wasn't that God wasn't doing something through me even then. It was just that when I actually entered into the fullness of what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, it just became, once again, my eyes were open, and I saw another level of reality show up that I just went, oh my gosh. That's a pretty subjective way to describe it, Kurt. But I don't have a better one. Except this. I, I was going to ask for a testimony, but I'm a little longer than I want to be. And I, I just wanted to say, is there maybe one right now? Let's just take a quick break, maybe. Is there one person? I don't want to hear how you got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want to hear somebody just tell a story about did it change you as much as it did me? Somebody who it changed radically. Would somebody have a good testimony on that? Just one? Is anybody going to raise their hands on this? Please do. Do you want to? Do you, do you have one about the baptism of the Holy Spirit totally changing your life? Actually, may I do something else whatsoever? But I'd love to catch somebody who hasn't talked yet. We're always looking to try and spread it out. So is there anybody else that would have a... There's got to be somebody. Where are we? I just can't see the... Oh, hi, Michael. Yeah, go ahead. And, and thanks for helping me on the time. All right. Sure. Um, I came from the church and was born and raised in the church and everything else like that. Um, born again, like 2 a.m., filled with the Spirit, 5 a.m., huh. the same morning. People could see what had changed in my life. Walking through the class, uh, walking to class, yeah. my mother cornered me the following weekend. I could see something had changed. You look like you're in love. You can drive a truck through an uh, opening like that. That's beautiful. Thank you, Michael. Uh, is there anybody that just really feels like they should be talking right now and you just don't want to put up your hand? Always looking for the people that don't want to talk <laughs> because you're the ones that God wants to hear from. Let me move on then, okay? And, you know, send me the, send me the testimony so that we can publish it, okay? Because there are several in here. There's a lot of people that know what I'm talking about, which is what I want to get to next, which is, which is a testimony to, am I baptized in the Holy Spirit? I want to answer this question really simply right now. If you think you might not be, just assume you aren't, okay? Can you do that for me? 
Yeah, I mean, you might be wrong, but what's it hurt? In minutes, we're going to pray for it and just ask for God to do this again and just believe that he does and, and so on. But, but would you just make an assumption? Because right now, here's what the problem is. There's actually a dynamic that has taken place in the world. You need to understand something. When I, was, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, it was in 1983. And still at that time, the baptism of the Holy Spirit had already become a, a pretty major factor in Christianity. But it was still a marginal factor to the point that in 1983, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I know people who got baptized later than that who were members of staff on churches. They went to a God touched them, had something happen that was tangible. They went, oh my gosh, something happened inside that was real too. They go back to the senior pastor or a senior pastor it happened to and they went back to their board and they said, God, this is an incredible thing. I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the, congreg- and the senior pastor or said, can you clean out your desk and be gone by the end of the day? And don't talk to anybody about this. You have to understand, this divided churches right and left. God's fingerprint is to bring people together. But every once in a while, he has to do something that's new, and it separates. And I'm telling you, this was a separation time. When I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, if God hadn't touched me, I don't know that I would have made it. I don't know that I would have stuck with it. Because I needed something. I was on the wrong side of the tracks. I had a lot invested on the other side of the tracks. And I was profitable. It wasn't evil. But what I'm telling you is is that when this happened, it was divisive. My wife thought I was crazy until the next week. And then all our friends thought we were crazy. Can I say that? Because I'm telling you, this is true. Eventually, they got saved too, most of them. But do you understand that to this day, people think Court and Julie went off the deep end and got, went crazy. This is what it looked like back then. Okay? Because it just wasn't part of the church. It wasn't part of Christianity. I went to an Assembly of God church, which is a Pentecostal denomination, and never heard about it. And that was possible to do all the time. So that's what happened before in the 80s. In the 90s, something else happened, and that was this. What happened is so many people were now baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was in the 2000s that it became over half the population of Christians. Over half the world's Christians now identify as charismatic and say they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay? But, but until then, there was this division happening, and God has to do something when there's division. He has to give you something extra, a touch. But at some point in time, the touch becomes a problem. Because... Because in order for me to think that God is moving, I need a touch. My arms need to tingle for me to know that God is moving. Is that true? No. That's now you're worshiping the the manifestation, not the person. You've got separated, see? So at some point in time, God has to go from touch to faith. It has to happen. It has to happen. And when it goes to faith, then you just have to pray and believe and trust. We're going to see this in one second. Well, actually, let's do it right now. Uh, oh, I can't do it right now because the slide's not there. Well, I can, I can make it work. Here. But, you know, you remember I said we're coming back to Empowered? I had none, no idea of this. Literally, when I'm writing the sermon, all of a sudden I went, well, this would be a good place to put Luke 11 in. And then all of a sudden it occurred to me, you know where we ended when we, 
at the beginning of summer, we were right at this passage. This is the last one I preached on that was a formal empowered servant. And now God's just picking it up again. Here's what I'm saying. This is the message. Ask and you'll get. And by the way, he misses this part of it. Because the way it says it, it says, keep asking. Ask fervor. Ask with a passion. Work at it. But ask that way and you'll get. Seek that way and you'll find. Knock that way and the door will be open. Look. Now think about it. See, people are talking in tongues. Let me make it clear. Tongues are weird. There's still foolishness to them. Okay? If you're here and you've, this is your first time here, it's weird. He's talking about tongues. Okay? I, I'm not, I get it. I understand it. So, so Jesus here, the Holy Spirit through Jesus, is trying to alert us to something. Trust me. Watch. If a little boy asks for a serving of fish, do you scare him with a live snake on his plate? I love the message sometimes. If a little girl asks for an egg, do you trick her with a spider? As bad as you are, you wouldn't ever do something like that. You're at least decent to your own children. And so is God to his children. Don't you think the Father who conceived you in love will give the Holy Spirit when you ask him? And understand, this is not talking about the Holy Spirit at salvation. There's reasons for that. I've told you we could go much deeper than we are. It's simple. I'm asking you to understand that what Jesus is talking about here is to ask to be empowered to do his will. To ask to be baptized in the Holy Spirit as was Jesus, as were the disciples, and as was every single person that is saved in Acts. And you can see it right in their salvation testimonies. You see it? So what we've got is he's saying, look, you got to know that you got to want this. And what he's saying is, is here, here's what's not in that. Ask me and I'll touch you and you'll know for sure that it's me. You see how it doesn't say that at all? What, he's say, what, is, what is it saying? It's saying, ask and trust. Trust me. Ask. I'll do what you're asking for. Because I want you to have it, but here's the, here's the key thing. You gotta want it. Somebody asked about tongues in a second ago. Here's what's so beautiful about tongues. This is where it gets not weird. Watch this. Word of faith, word of knowledge, faith that'll move mountains, miracles, healings, prophecy, discerning of spirits, evitation of tongues. Everybody who ever moved in one of those gifts in any way, shape, or form. God moved through them and did any one of these things. You know what it makes you feel like? Really cool. <laughs> this is, that's not weird. There's nothing weird about healing somebody. It's awesome, <laughs> right? You may not believe in God, but somebody gets healed in front of you, I mean really gets healed, not fake healed, not that, not that television preacher healed, okay? I'm talking about actually healed. By the way, a lot of people get saved and healed and all this stuff with television preachers. Why? Because they're sick and they're asking God to heal them and God tends to answer even if there's a schmuck on stage. Okay? Right? I don't mean to say that. I'm sorry, God. Okay? They mean well, but they are deceived. Let's be clear. Okay? The point is, is that God, if, if, if you're praying for somebody and you're not, you're not even a Christian, but you're praying for them to get healed, God likes that. <laughs> He's like that. So he does that. You see? And what happens is, 
the one thing that you need to do, as I've already said, is you need to be careful that you don't end up start taking pride in it. The first time you pray for somebody for healing, you give God the credit because you know you can't heal. The 10,000th time that you prayed for somebody to get healed, you start thinking you're a pretty good healer. So God gives us a safety check. Like the airplane, right? You got to go through your checks. Check, 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 check. Now you can fly. Here's what one of the checks is. I don't know how to pray for that person. I don't know what to pray for them. I don't know how to pray. I don't know nothing. Here's the truth. I actually do know something. I need to get rid of what I know. Adam, come up here for a second, would you? Remember I talked about the, the I must decrease, he must increase, and the songs and all kind of stuff? I just want you to think about what, what I'm actually trying to say here. And, and we're just about to get to how if I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. Here's Adam. Adam's a good guy. Adam's funny. He does all kinds of stuff, everything else. Here's Adam. Adam goes to camp, and God prophesies through him to kids. And how did that make you feel? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you say good, but you came home and you were like, this is awesome. <laughs> right? I did that. Like I opened my mouth and I started prophesying and it was true when the kid said it was true. And that was incredible. Right? Now, watch this. When that happens, Adam could get puffed up. But what if, before that ever happened, what if, every t what if Adam did this? I'm going to do what's foolishest to my natural mind, and I'm going to ask God to do this by praying in the Spirit, by allowing the Spirit to pray through me in a way that's consistent with God, and I'm going to pray that God would do this. And then when God does it, he knows it's not him. Here's what John the Baptist said. I must decrease. The ego, the pride, the thing that's me that would corrupt this over time, that must decrease. The things I know must decrease. The things I think must decrease. Not that God won't use them ever, but I must decrease. Why? Because the more that Adam decreases, the more there's a vacuum that God can fill. So the more of God can come through and do. Do you see it? Thank you. Now here's what I'm going after. How do you know, we're back to that question, how do you know that you're baptized in the Holy Spirit? I went to the Lord and I said, give me something that'll work so that it won't just be subjective, even though this is subjective. But it'll, be, it'll, it'll communicate. Now watch. Here's what being baptized in the Holy Spirit feels like. When, if you're just, if you're as a Christian asking for someone to get healed and he's empowering through you, you can still give him credit and so on, but you're still here. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you start wanting to run away so that God can do. When you start learning through the things that God does through you who he really is, it makes you want to pound down everything in you that stands up and gets in his way. And you didn't even know you were getting in his way before. But your eyes have been opened and all of a sudden you're saying, oh my God, I was so prideful. I was so me. I'm so self-centered. If I can really say this the right way, it'll sound like it's not even about baptism in the Holy Spirit. But I think the reason that you can know for certain that you're baptized in the Holy Spirit is if you know what a horrible human being you really are. Now, I'm not saying that to make you feel guilty and make you feel like scum. I'm just trying to say this. Hallelujah in there, but now watch. I'm trying to say something. When you really start to know who God is, He is so beautiful. 
He is so magnificent. He is so glorious that you start to realize what a worm you are. And you start to doing everything you can to get the heck out of his way so he can do what he wants. And you will quit corrupting what he's trying to do to change another person's life. That's what it feels like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And people clap because they know that's what it feels like. And so just lovingly, I would tell you, if that's not your experience, if you're praying for people, but thing where you're still sort of getting some credit, you're still in there, or let me say it another way, if you're still controlling things. Now, I still control things, but here's the difference. You can control things and not think and know that you're doing it, or you can control things and say, God, I hate that in myself. Hate that in myself. Kill that in me. And for real, because boy, when you kill it for real, you can fake yourself out a lot. But when you start trying to kill it for real, it is hard. It is hard. But when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit and God is moving through you and you are exercising, this becomes so real to you. The glory of God as a complete distinction from who you are. It doesn't make you, here's the irony, it doesn't make you feel like a scumbag and you just sit in the corner and go, oh, woe is me. To the contrary, you're out there moving and, and ministering and doing everything you possibly can and going, this is the most fun, the most fulfillment, the most wonder, the most glory, the most of anything I've ever felt before. The more I decrease, the more he does. And I want more of that. And that's what being baptized in the Holy Spirit is. More of God, purely, truly, singly. Less of you. Is that a good description? I hope it is. Because what we're going to do in just about two minutes here is we're going to... And if that doesn't describe you, I want you to say that to God. I want you to say, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you don't want to, don't say this, okay? But if you start, if this is bearing witness with you, if you're saying there is something in that, even if you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, ask for more. Ask, ask for more of you to decrease and him to increase. Isn't that it? So here's the question now. If not, how can I be? If I'm not, how can I be? just talked about just faith just trust so it was turned out to be 90 seconds and here's what I'm going to do we're all going to pray if you don't want to do this I love you it's okay this is between you and God okay but I hope even if you're not saved what a beautiful time to say I see something in this of you saving me, of you empowering me, of you doing things through me. This is something, if you feel like this is something you need in your life, nothing's stopping you. When we pray right now, I'm going to do a little, we never do this, but I'm going to do a pray after me. And I literally want you out loud to pray this prayer. And it'll be short. And then I'll let you pray for a second. And then I got just one more minute of stuff to say, and then we'll be done. But oh, you, see, you see what we're doing here? Are there any questions? Is there any, does anybody have anything that they're hung up on that they need to get resolved before we do this? Okay, close your eyes with me. And just repeat after me. Lord, 
by which I mean the one who is a decider in my life. You have told us clearly that there is a salvation experience and that there is an empowering experience. And that that together can become the full the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God, I'd like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Fully. Completely. Utterly. God, please baptize me in the Holy Spirit. Even now. Like you told me in Luke. You will give me the thing that I ask for. You want to give me the Holy Spirit this way. So Lord, empower me. And not just empower, but baptize me, pickle me. Change me. Make me in the fullness of who you intended me to be. Thank you, Lord. Now just pray yourself. Just ask him yourself a minute. And if there's a worship person that could come up and just, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just take a minute. Just, just speak to him and pray to him. Thank you, Lord. If you don't know the Lord, what a perfect time to just say, God, come and, and make me new. And bat Holy Spirit all at once. Just thank him now. Thank him for baptizing you in the Holy Spirit. Thank him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, God, for empowering me, for baptizing me in your Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. Thank him and mean it. Trust him. Believe. Thank him for this. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you. Now, if you've prayed, believe. Remember we said something. It's like a muscle that if you exercise it, it'll grow. If you, if you neglect it, it'll atrophy. Let me tell you the best way to exercise it. Look at any need that you have, a friend, a family member, a co-worker, somebody else. Look at any, look at, there it is. Look at somebody that's in need and start praying for them. Now, as you're praying for them, do this. As you're praying for them, start saying, I don't know really how to pray for them. 
I don't know what to pray for him. I don't know how to pray for him. Would you pray through me according to your will so that I might line up with what you want to do and just begin to pray in quote-unquote tongues? It's just to say pray in the Holy Spirit and just let that happen. You're, you're, if you're looking for God to grab your tongue and wag it, he won't. If you'll just start speaking, if you'll just start, I'm just going to do something. I'm not trying to be weird, but I'm just, if you'll just go, I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, let me just get somebody in my mind. Oh, I know. Uh, there's a marriage. It's in, it's in a real bad place. And Lord, in Jesus' name, I don't know how to pray for it, so I'm going to bend my knee now. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to decrease myself that you might fill, and I'm just going to start praying in tongues. I'm just going to say, It doesn't matter what noise you make. God doesn't give you syllables. That's another misunderstanding. I'm sorry for that offends you. But the bottom line is, is just pray in a way that is, that is allowing the Holy Spirit to start to move. You're the one moving your lips and your tongue. He's the one who's inhabiting your humility with his presence and his work, his will. So you just pray. You just pray, and then you let him. You will be asking him, bring me revelation of what it is that you're praying, that I might move. And then expect him when you're with them to move. I do this all the time. Somebody walks into my office. I start praying the Holy Spirit because I know a lot of things. I've been doing this a long time, and I need to get rid of what I know because they don't need what I know. They need what God can do. So I empty myself in the back of my mind as I'm just praying in the Spirit. I'm pushing myself down. I'm humbling myself so that God can fill me and move and touch him. You see it? Tongues is not a big mystery. It's a beautiful gift to help you bend your knee so that when God moves, you know who moved. And then you say, thank you. And then you say, get me down lower so the next time you can be fuller. Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious nation comes to you and before you. And we have stepped out. We have moved into. We have taken the step. We have asked and seeked and knocked. God, now cause us to find, to enter into, to become truly a charismatic church, empowered by your spirit, baptized in fullness that we might move in the fullness of what you have. God, Bend our knees that you might fill and do what only you can do. God, turn us into instruments for your will. And thank you that we will come to know you so beautifully through it. We, we reach down in front of us and there's two cups in front of you. Get the bottom and the, and the upper. And take that bottom cup as which is that bread. And by the way, this is a beautiful time to receive him as your Lord as your Savior. God, we recognize that not moving, many of us have been baptized in the Holy Spirit in this place and have failed to walk in it for many years in any significant way. And we recognize right now that we have stolen from what you wanted to do through us and from ourselves and what, what you would have done in us too. Many of us didn't even know that there was such a thing. So in our, in our lack of good theology and the things that happened, things got stolen from me. In all kinds of ways, I've not, I've chosen to go my own way and I've broken my life by standing up too much, by not decreasing. And so I take my finger and I put it in this, this thing in that bread, recognizing that my life is broken because you heal it. 
You can't heal somebody when they don't think they're broken. So we recognize that we're broken, and then we say, thank you for making us whole, for healing us. So in Jesus' name, take this bread together, would you please? And now, Jesus, we lift this cup, and in this cup is everything for not just salvation, not baptizing the Holy Spirit, but for everything that would ever happen in our life. It's already there. You just want us to enter into it. So by taking this cup, in which is the life that you have for us, we say, I want the life that you have for me. You get that? I want the life that you have for me. If you agree, we take this cup. And now...